Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Pamela. Pamela Shanehouse is a highly accomplished founder and entrepreneur with more than 35 years of success across fashion, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, and professional fundraising sectors. That's a lot. That's a that's a broad range. Like I give you lots of props for that. Um, Pamela is the president of Allie Style Incorporated, a fashion line named in memory of her daughter, Allie. The line was the first in Canada to provide size diverse, beautiful, comfortable clothing for women sizes extra small to 3X. I love that. I, I just, I love that. We need more um, size diverse. Like they, everybody thinks that we're all an extra small and it's just not a thing. Anyways, <laughs> her company, the Shane House Group, trains companies on the importance of DEI. Uh, also, I was going to say, where did your accent come from? Because I'm from like upstate New York, like practically Canada, like near the border uh, where Cornwall is. Oh. And I could hear it. I could hear it because once in a while people hear it in my voice and they're like, where are you from? I'm like, Canada. I had an accent. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I never noticed it in me either. And then there's certain words that people are like, oh, that's a Canadian accent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's That's actually from Canada. We say story all the time anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pam is the president of Allie's, Allie's Journey, a charity that was founded in Allie's memory to support young adults with cancer. Pamela is currently writing a memoir about uh, her journey she faced with her daughter's cancer and how resilience keeps her focused on maintaining her daughter's legacy. She hopes to have it published by the end of 2022. That's coming up, but uh, I'm sure you can do it. Let's go to the middle of 2023. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm going to shift the goalposts now. But didn't your son just tell you that you need to, to shit like, or get off the pot? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you told me that before we started with the bio and you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I need a goal, right? I need a deadline. Uh, currently I'm working on my thesis for my master's program and I'm in the second draft of it. And I told my thesis advisor, I would be done by the end of this week with the um, draft. And I was like, okay that gives me like something I got to like, you know, I got to, I got to work on it every day. So I get it done. And if I, you know, didn't have that deadline, I'd just be like, do it when I want. (laughs) So deadlines, uh, I still don't get it done. So uh, (laughs) queen of procrastination sometimes. Pam, do you prefer Pam or Pamela? Doesn't matter. Pam. Okay. We'll go Pam. Uh, Thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Well, you mentioned in your bio, you lost your daughter, Allie. I would love for you to share a little bit about that with us. And today, um, I want to mention real quick, uh, today is actually the day of her passing and the anniversary, the day we're, we're recording this is the anniversary of her passing, which it was very serendipitous. 
Yeah, I know my daughter probably made sure that I did this because I was actually thinking of canceling it and I knew that she would be just pissed off royally. <laughs> this is the 16th year. She passed away 16 years ago and um, seems like it was yesterday. My daughter, Allie, was 19 when she was diagnosed and she passed away at the age of 26. She went through seven years of extensive, she had a few years, you know, the odd time that she was off remission, but it came back of Hodgkin's lymphoma, not non-Hodgkin's, but Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, that happens to be a cancer that people live with and people can actually go into remission with. Mm -hmm. A fairly large uh, segment can actually live with, uh, not, you know, I remember a doctor saying to me once, we never cure cancer. Mm. We live yeah. with it. We, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get rid of it, but there's never that, in his opinion, never that real cure. And I can see that, but she, um, she was very tough. She was kind. She was incredibly beautiful. And of course, a mother is a little bit. Uh, right. I have four kids. I understand. Okay. So you get it. (laughs) And she was, I always say that she was my teacher. She was my Jewish mother. She was my sister. She was my daughter. And we were like zipped together. She was, um, she fought right to the end, but she finally couldn't fight anymore. She was just tired. Mm -hmm. And she had a few cells that just kept on replicating they would go down and they would replicate. She had a bone marrow transplant and a stem cell transplant. Wow. She got married in between. She met a wonderful man on uh, J date, which is a Jewish dating service that she didn't even, she didn't even get a membership to. They had handed out free, um, free contacts. Yeah. And she met him just like that. Wow. Yeah. And a super guy, his name is Philip. And you know what it, she, she lived a life that, um, you know, let me, let me backtrack for a second. And I'm telling you the truth. I remember having a, a, um, dream and it was God speaking to me and he or she or whomever said, I'm going to give you a daughter, but you can only have her for 26 years. It's your choice whether you have her or you don't. And this was right before she was, she passed away. Like, I mean, it was like freaky, but of course you would take your daughter for whatever time you could possibly have her. She was the glue that held, I have two boys and she was that middle, middle child that really wasn't a middle child. She was the princess in the middle. (laughs) you know, and I was, um, I, I did her eulogy, mm. which I still can't believe that I could stand up and do it, but I, right. but I knew she would expect it. Mm. And another interesting story while she was in palliative care, she was in palliative care for six days. I would write down just some notes of things that I had remembered and things that might, you know, just one that might wanted to say or put in the book or whatever. And when she passed away, I had somebody 
come with me to get my car out of the parking lot. And I put the notebook down and I walked away. And I lost, I didn't realize until I got home that I had lost this notebook. Oh. And, and I knew that it was Allie telling me, you know what, enough already. This is way too schmutzy and, and, and like, I'm not, this is wrong. Yeah. Because she was that type of person. She would do these things that <laughs> were hysterical. And I just, I, I knew that she was, that was what she would say, mom, you can do better. And I don't yeah. want you to keep this book. She was, she was quite remarkable. And um, I don't regret one second of having her. I do regret that I haven't been able to hold her. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine the difficulty of what I won't even say, like, I understand because I don't. Um, and I was actually talking to my spouse uh, last night or the night before, I think it was last night about this interview. And I said, I can't even imagine losing a child. I don't think any parent should outlive their child. Right. Like it, I want them to outlive me. Like I want them to be the ones that are like at my funeral. I, I've always said, I don't want like one of those funerals where everybody like is looking at my dead body. I want a celebration of life. I want people to tell funny stories, serious stories, stories where I piss them right off. Right. Like I want them to be honest. And I want my kids to like, say like, you know, I remember this time that mom did X, Y, Z and that sort of thing. So I can't even imagine what that loss is uh, and, and how that feels. But she sounds like such an incredible human being. And you were so blessed to have her in your life. She was, some, you know, Megan, she was something else. I can tell you a funny story that she told me because I wasn't there when she did this. She, believe it or not, she got her four-year degree. In between this, she would go to she would wow. go to the hospital. She would go to the hospital. She'd have her radiation and she'd take a cab back and she'd go back into class. There was a couch down there. She'd lie down and she'd you know raise her hand whenever she has something. <laughs> and she she got her degree. And there was one time that there was a group project, and Allie was the one who was coordinating it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there were five people in there. And she couldn't get the information that she needed from one of the girls. Oh, I hate group projects for that very reason. She was so pissed off. So what did she do? And I can imagine her doing this. She tracked her down in her residence. She knocked on the door, but she put her hand on the people. Yeah. The person couldn't see who it was. She opened the door and Allie stormed in. (laughs) And, and I could see her, like, I mean, I could just picture her doing this and she goes, so the girl goes, you know, I've been sick. And she says, you can't excuse me, but that doesn't work with me. Cause I have a cancer. <laughs> so, so, no excuse. I, had to try. I could absolutely would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with her. She just radiated life. I think that I know for a fact that one thing that just bugged her more than anything else is the way people looked at her. Yeah. They looked at her as if she had malaria. She had something that, that she shouldn't be near anybody. Mm -hmm. She kept on going, I'm Allie with cancer. I'm not cancer who happens to be Allie. Yeah. 
And I think that that is what happens in this world is people, mm. people realize cancer, first of all, it, it's, it's the, I can't say it's the worst because I, I, I went through it with my daughter and I would have given anything, any parent, as you well know, you're a parent would give anything to be able to be the one lying in bed versus their child. Yeah. But the truth is that there is still some life. When Allie was re-diagnosed the third time, it, they were talking about living with cancer, like you live with MS, like you live with Parkinson's, that type of life. And people are doing that. Things have, have just, in research, have grown exponentially mm-hmm. in that disease. But people are also dying left, right, and center. You know, yeah. people would look at Allie saying, oh, you've got Hodgkin's disease. That's the good one. Well, the word good in cancer truly doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's when you go through things like this, and then when you go through losing a child, I lost my child. I lost my parents both in a seven year period. Wow. I didn't have time to mourn my parents because I was going through all the cancer treatment with my child. Yeah. And I would go from sitting Shiva to getting up, I'm, I'm Jewish, and I'm sure people could yeah. just <laughs> say we caught on to that. that one. Yeah. I caught that one on, um, and and I just went from one to another, back again to another, mm. and you do what you have to do. Yeah, there were things that I couldn't do. I had to leave when they put a needle in her arm. I couldn't handle that. I mm. couldn't watch anything. I it was. She was just somebody who, who said, I am going to beat this. We always thought she was going to beat it. We never thought that we, she was going to lose her battle because yeah. she did. She was like a yo-yo going up like this and up and down. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'll never forget watching her doctor who was very, very close to her. He was a researcher. and. Once, you know, she was re-diagnosed, he says, well, I can't help, you know, she's got to go to somebody else. And I remember saying to him, I'm sorry, but you are not leaving her. You're the top in the world. He was, as it happens, one of the top in the world and you are not leaving her. And he developed such a bond with Allie. Mm -hmm. And I'll forget just watching him sit in that room in palliative care, just falling apart Mm. because he never thought that she was going to pass away. And um, when you are a mother who's lost a child, there is no ending to this loss. There is no time that you can turn around and say, okay, I'm, I'm healed. Right. I think that booking this podcast on this day without realizing what day it was. Yeah. I know what day July 12th is. I'm not an idiot. But somehow this was the first hill that I climbed that I've never climbed before. And that's why when you were kind and said, listen, we can move it and this and that. And I said, no, I'm going to do it. I woke up crying this morning. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was able to do this, but I knew that I had to honor her. And honoring her is not saying the day of her passing is more important than speaking about her on a fantastic podcast. Yeah. I think your podcast is outstanding. Thank you. 
I, you know, I will shout it out. I'm very, I, I think, you know, I do. And, and it's not because I'm on it right now. Right. You're like, no. I am not biased. I promise. I'm biased. It's not, that has nothing to do with it. I just think that the issues that you tackle and the way you speak to people and not at them mm-hmm. is very, very um, calming and welcoming. And yeah, probably after I get off this podcast, I'll lose it but I'm not going to lose it now because I have that strength to, to keep, to honor her. And I do, I honor her in everything that I do. I do things not because I, just because of her. Okay. Yeah. If I didn't want it, if I wasn't passionate about the work that I do and passionate about everything, I wouldn't do it. Right. But we, we were a team, Hmm. a real team team I stopped work I was able to you know I'd say I wonder if my parents passed away like at the time when they knew that their inheritance would keep would help me keep Allie alive yeah I ended up even in even in the Canadian healthcare. I ended up spending about a million and a half dollars keeping her alive in all different areas we we tried experimental treatment in the States. And if you're Canadian and you go to the States, you can't go there without a visa card. Yeah. It's yeah. about a $30,000 limit. Oh my gosh. Because one treatment was 15,000. You had to come back the next, whatever. It was another 15,000. Oh if you needed blood work done, it was a thousand dollars. It was cheaper when we had to have CT scans to fly home. Right. I'm done. Take, take the, the disc and go back with it. American healthcare is outrageously priced. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. But I did it. And I, and I didn't even think twice. If -hmm. God forbid my boys had had it, I would have done exactly the same thing. You do everything that you could possibly do for your children. Yeah. And I was very fortunate that I had a house to sell and that I had these things. I was very lucky to be able to do that. And, you know, we were, we were, as I said, and I'll keep on saying it, we were a team, you know, Megan, there are times that I just want to, I want to shake mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. I go out and I out for lunch and I take myself out for lunch. Lots of times I, I, as as you I, said, I get along with my boss really well. Yeah. I work for myself. I get along because I get along with my boss. I like myself. I'm good with that. So if I feel like going out, I go out for lunch. And I can't tell you how many times I will sit and there will be a table beside me or a few tables over and I will see a mother and a daughter together and they're both on their phones. Mm-hmm. They're not talking at all. Yeah. And they don't realize how remarkable that opportunity is right I can't hug my child anymore you Mm -hmm. can hug your child and even though they're going to drive you nuts and And they do they do and you're going to be things that you just want to you know shake them Mm -hmm. even though people can't see me I'm actually sitting here shaking people (laughs) um you have a privilege that I don't have anymore If I want to go visit my daughter, I have to go to a cemetery. Yeah. And, and it's very, very different. So I actually, 
and and uh, you can tell from my personality i think you and i will become really good friends because you can <laughs> you can tell yeah that we have a very similar personality i actually stopped once i walked over to them as i was leaving and i said i just want to tell you that i lost my daughter and i would give anything to have the opportunity that the two of you have so put your phones away and mm. talk. And then I walked away. Yeah. And I'm sure that it was completely wrong to have done that. But if I can change one person, if I can get them to, to hug their kids more. Yeah. To understand how precious it is to have them. Yeah. Then then that's okay. It's, um, it's really, you know, I don't want to, I want to delve on it. I don't want to sit there and talk about this all the time, but um, it's a privilege to have your children. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, you gotta care about them and be there. Cause you know, people actually said to me, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a podcast on, um, on grief. And really is the word loss, the right loss. Like if you say, I'm sorry for your loss, you say loss to me, losses, they're going to come back. Right. right. I lost something. Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> they <coming> back? <laughs> they're not coming back so fast. And I had a few people who said to me, you know, it's 13 years already. Don't you oh, think no. you should get over with this? And oh, I can't, no. I don't want to tell you who, who said it because they're probably going to listen to this podcast <laughs> and they're going to close to me. So I'm not going to say it. But, like, uh, I, let me tell you why I am very upset with what you said. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't get over it. The one thing that, that, and I can, you know, you can ask me other questions and I can end it here by saying your loss is your, the, the, the grief. Cause I, again, I, I don't want to use the word loss, but the grief is yours personally. Mm -hmm. Nobody has the right at any period of time to tell you how to grieve. Mm -hmm. You own that and you do what your body, what your mind needs for you to do. Yeah. And nobody has the right to say, oh, well, you know, I wish people would stop saying, they don't say it anymore to me because it's 16 years, but they sure as hell did in the first year. Oh, they, they put their arm around me, people that I haven't seen in God knows how long. Right. And they say they put their arm around me and they pat me like this. And they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am I, I was taught by a very by Jewish parents that you sit there and you don't say I told them to uh, F off. I am not swearing on this podcast. And oh, it's it's right in. Not doing explicit. it. Okay, by people. Who, but you said it. It's okay. Those were the words it, I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. And they say, but you know what, Pam? If there's anything that I can do for you, don't hesitate to call. You just want to ring their necks because you're never going to call them. Right. If they wanted to do something for you, they would do something for you. Yeah. And it, it's like you find out who people are in, and who they really aren't, who your friends are and who they really aren't when yeah. you've got something like this. And I will let you talk now because I haven't <sighs> shown up yet. Oh, I've done podcast episodes where I didn't say much of anything, which I don't mind. 
Hey, if somebody wants to talk and talk and talk and let their story out, I'm perfectly fine with that. I am just here to hold space. That is, that is my job. That's all I'm here for is to hold space. You're a placeholder. Is that it? I'm a placeholder. (laughs) That's what I am. Um, I'm trying to think of this post. I, and I'm probably going to botch this, but the post said that the grief doesn't get smaller. Your container just gets bigger. And then there will be to where you can, you have space for other things. Like in the very beginning, the container is very small and it just kind of takes up the whole container. But then you're putting down, that's a really interesting um, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So your container gets bigger, but the grief doesn't diminish. So you're just capable of doing more than you did before. And then it will come and go, right? There'll be days that is debilitating and you're crying and it could be 20, 25 years later, there it doesn't go away. But then there are days that it, it just goes along and you don't really think about it, but it hasn't changed. Your containers just got bigger. So I loved that because I was like, you know, I, I feel like so many people think, like you said, they say it's been 16 years. Why are you not over it yet? You're not over it because it didn't go away. Like you're going to have to, like you said, you woke up and you cried this morning, but now you're on a podcast and you're doing all right. Right. You're like, I'm hanging in here. I'm here, <laughs> but it, you didn't it know what was in here. There might be a, a hell of a thing of scotch that I oh. just to coffee. <laughs> yes. Get it done. Yeah. I with the morphine that. that I'm on, you know, for my, um, bone disease and all these other things. I have a, I was diagnosed with a bone disease at the age of five. Yeah. I've had 30 operations and I have wow. a disability. And yeah, it, there's a, a ton of stories that you'll, you will get the book when I. <laughs> and you know what, when that book gets ready to come out, Pam, you come back on and we talk. Oh, I will be on there. Yes. Thank you. I will. T- I'm writing it down. Everybody Just send me an email and be <laughs> like, Hey, my book's getting ready to come out. We're actually having, um, a guest that was on previously, Daniela, uh, who was on to talk about how she grew up in a cult and she just wrote her book. She sent me a copy, which I love because I love to hold books. Um, and I went through it so fast, such a good book. And, you know, I love that. I, I want, I want, I want people to come back on. I've said this before. My favorite guests are the people that come back on because we already have a rapport. I already know you and it's great. You already know how the podcast rolls. It's not awkward. It's we're like old friends. And so, you know, that when that, you got when it. that book gets ready to come out, Pam, you just send me an email and say, Hey, oh, I will. my I book's will getting ready. To, yeah. My book's ready, getting ready to come out. Just give me a couple weeks notice. We'll get you one. Thank you. you. Know. I yeah. got everybody, by the way, everybody yeah. heard it. <laughs> You're everybody like, thanks. you know, getting back to that uh, quote that you that you saw, it's very, very interesting when you, when you think of it that way. I talk about moving. I don't talk about moving forward very much. Mm-hmm. But I talk about moving because as I've said to you, said to the audience and obviously to you, yeah. I, I am, and I am the only one who can continue to build her legacy because when I'm mm-hmm. gone, nobody else is going to do it. And Everything that she did, she did to honor other people, to honor me. And everything that I do, I do to honor her. 
But when I heard this, that, that your container gets larger, but the grief stays the same, it reminds me of an article that I read that spoke about when you lose a child, it is like an amputation of your heart. And it is the same as, you know, when you amputate your leg or you amputate your, well, I don't know, thank God or anybody, but when somebody amputates that has their leg or arm amputated, you still feel that it's there. Yeah. This is not a hole in your heart because holes can eventually heal. Mm -hmm. And when I read that and went, wow, it's an amputation of your, of a piece of your heart. It is, it is so much so that you just know that it is, that it is, it was just cut out and it's not coming back and it's not going to heal. So how do you live? I, I remember it was about 13 years, I think at the time. And I, I went to Florida I had major, major surgery and I, I was able to go away. And I looked up at the sky, it was blue. And, it, and I said to Allie, I said, you know, it's been the, I talked to her all the time. And it's the first time that I can smile, like really smile. Genuine smile. Genuine smile. She wants me to live. I have two mm-hmm. remarkable grandchildren. One of them looks just like Allie. <laughs> and, and is also into the same things. Allie was into theater production. Isla's into theater. <laughs> it's like, but Isla's her own person. She's just spectacular. And my grandson, Andrew, is just amazing. And it looks exactly like his father. It's like, you know, you regurgitate another person. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's very interesting. So I've got a lot to live for. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my daughter would expect me to live it. Yeah. She, her, the charity, she started it. I didn't start it. She started oh, it. Okay. Started it. I guess I should be rewriting. I thought I had written co-founded, but I didn't. Anyway, once you hear it read out, like I've heard you read out my bio, I was going, and eh, maybe I should change a few. Things. Yeah. Maybe so, I should edit that. I feel the same way when I go on podcasts. Because when you read my bio, yeah, when you read it, you don't read it the same way. When you hear it from somebody, somebody else is reading it, you go, "Gee." Anyway, Allie started it, and she literally launched it seven weeks before she passed away. Wow! We had a major music concert, and four hundred people at the concert, and she got on the stage, and she was fairly weak, but there was no way that. She would not go in a wheelchair. She went, she walked. She made it through the whole night before she could barely do this. And she goes up and she, she stands beautifully. And I will send you a picture after Megan, even though nobody will be able to see it, but at least Megan will be able to see this picture. I can share it the week that your episode comes okay, out. Okay. Cause, and I don't know whether I can share the actual words that she said. And she said to everybody, she said, I'm the lucky one. There are so many people like me that don't have support. Mm-hmm. I have the best support. My family and, and what she said about me was just, you think I was losing it today? I was like gone. And, but she held onto that piano with such grace. And she says, we all have to appreciate what we have. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm going through this. but. There are so many young adults out there. We're talking 18 to 35, 16 to 40, you know, in that age group. Yeah. 
that don't have support. Mm-hmm. She used to look at me with her eyes. We were in the hospital and she was having a transfusion and she would look at me with these big brown eyes as if I should read it. And I realized, and she was looking at somebody and there was this other young adult lying by themselves. Oh, okay. And she says, go over there. Yeah. Be the mom and with her eyes, be a mom. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it that way that that is so beautifully said, Megan, because that's exactly what it was. And ask him, does, does he need some water? Does he need something? She says, I'm the lucky one. I've had, I was there all the time. And if I wasn't there, somebody mm-hmm. else was there. She was never alone, except yeah. when we had SARS and you couldn't go into the hospital. Right. Okay. Then, then she was alone, but she cared. She would, she would barely hold on to the bars. She's walking out, out after her transfusion, but she would stop when she saw every young adult and she'd say, hi, I'm Allie. I've been going through this. I'm sure you'll get through this. It's a great hospital. She could barely stand up. Yeah. But all she did was care about others. And, you know, the charity supports, we'd support young adults because we provide a, a comfort bag for them that has various items that we know they need, but they don't know they need them yet. Yeah. They're just starting their treatment. And I don't know what it's like in the States, but in Canada, especially let's talk about Toronto. There's sick kids hospital, which is renowned all over the world. And, but when you're 18, you get aged out of it. And then you get into this hospital where you could be in a room with somebody my age with somebody 90 years old. Like, I mean, there's no, there's right. nobody there to envelop you and to help mm-hmm. you. And so that's why, you know, Ali says, no, we're not going to raise money for research. The money that we're going to raise for research isn't going to, it'll do nothing. Yeah. There's already lots of money going into exactly. it. But, you know, she's just, she was just this remarkable human being. And everything that I do, the fashion brand was because of Ali. Mm-hmm. She had gained an extraordinary amount of weight. And, and she, we usually bought her stuff in Florida, but she was having treatment. She needed jeans. So she walked over, we went to a store that's very similar to your Lane Bryant. And she sat at a, on a bench right in front of it and started to cry. Yeah. And I said, Are you crying? Well, you're just going, she said, I'm not going into that store because they've told me I'm fat because I have to go into that store and I'm not fat. Yeah. And told me that I'm different because I have to go into that store and I'm no different than anybody else. She was incredibly fashion forward. She just loved fashion. And then she, you know, then she had, uh, she says, my body deserves better than this crappy Polly and Esther. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to her at that time, I said, Allie, when you get better, we'll start a brand. And I'm from a manufacturing family. My family had the largest manufacturer of children's wear in Canada. So wow. kind of like, I think my father bl- made me blurt it out. And yeah. he taught me everything. I was a teenager. I, I knew supply chain. I knew how fabrics were made, all of this stuff. And um, obviously she didn't get better, but she put all the elements in place of what she wanted this brand to be. And two years later, we started it. We're the only ones, um, you know, I'll send you the link. We're the only ones to yes. ever Toronto Fashion, Fashion Week as a size diverse brand. I love that nobody's ever done it since. And we were the only ones to do it. And it was in 2012. And right now we're not producing, but thinking about it. Um, but that's what, how I moved into the work that I do with the Chain House group and the teaching in, in DEI. 
and everything because my specialty was always diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And when you, and when, even if you, even if your specialty is in fashion, it doesn't matter. The processes, the theories, the policies, the training, it's all the same, no matter yeah. where you are. So I would say that everything that I do has been influenced by her completely. Yeah. She, I mean, I said this before, she sounds like an incredible young woman. I say that because I'm 36. So it's 26 to Wait me a minute, a young 36, woman. 36 with four children. Yes. I am 36 with four children. (laughs) I was, uh, I was a teen mom. Uh, so my oldest is 19 now and, uh, we have a soon to be 13 year old and soon to be 11 year old twins. Oh Uh, my God. Yes. So we went for one more and got two. And, uh, that was the end partially because my doctor said, if you have another child, you're going to die. And partially because I found out that one of my ovaries drops two eggs at once. So I can now have another set of twins. (laughs) Hard pass, a hard pass on that. They're great. (laughs) They're great. I love them so much. We're we're currently looking for somebody to watch them while I have classes in the the evenings because my daughter wants to get into cross country running. They're going into middle school. They're, they're, they're wonderful, but twins are a lot of work. (laughs) I can't imagine. I, I give kudos to every human being who has twins. I had enough problems with one child and I, and I actually made sure that they were three and a half years apart <laughs> so that I could have a nap. Right. <laughs> another one. I was lucky, but my third was, um, he was, he was a surprise. Yeah. He was the best surprise ever, ever. And, um, you know, I can't imagine not having my two boys. My I say three daughter. out of four were a surprise. Cause obviously when you're 16, you're not trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my middle daughter, her dad wasn't supposed to be able to have kids according to him. Um, he now has three and only one of them is mine. <laughs> kept his kept his yeah, so I think he can have kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then with my husband now, uh, I wasn't married before my, my, my spouse, <laughs> he's, we decided to have one because he had no, um, biological children and we got two. So I say like only one was <laughs> out of all four. So here we are. I do know how babies are made. Anybody figured that out? <laughs> I figured that out. Um, but yeah, so my three out of four were surprises. Uh, but, uh, like you said, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I, um, I, I don't know who thought that I could handle all this, but they must've figured that I could, uh, <laughs> because here I am. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, it, it is difficult being a mom with bipolar disorder, uh, because sometimes my mental health makes it very difficult, um, to, I can't imagine. Them. Well, I can imagine cause I have a bone disease, but, um, yeah. it's, uh, any kind of disability yeah. and yeah. issue mm-hmm. that, that somebody like you have to work you have to be a mother, you have to, to deal with your own mental health. Yeah. With me, my own disability, mm-hmm. that it's, it's all that little bit of extra things. I, I can't say that I had help along the way right. because I had to have help along the way. 
And so I, I didn't to go through what you have gone through. And I'm sure that it has got to be very, very difficult. So I have to give you kudos. And, you. Uh, and, you, and if I would found out that I was having twins, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my spouse was going to pass out, honestly, <laughs> like when she turned to us. Now, see, I have seen ultrasounds before at that time. He had never seen one. So mm-hmm. I knew that we're oh, having twins because I saw them one baby, two baby. And he's just kind of like got his head cocked. Like, is, what is going on here? When Why she turned to us, hard? yeah, when she turned to us and said, Oh, Mr. And Mrs. Hall, um, you're having twins. I thought he was going to pass out cold on that floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was hilarious, but I will, I will tell people, and I've said this before, my, my children are the reason I'm alive. Uh, cause they went through some really dark times, but, and, and I'm sure you can relate is your children are the reason sometimes oh, sure. that, that you're living right. When you, when you lost Allie, it must've been a really hard and dark time in your life, but you had two boys that you had to, you know, stick around for. Yeah. I can't tell you that you don't think about it. Right. Um, I remember saying it once to my son, Shane, and he went nuts. Oh, I bet. He went nuts. You actually thought this was about us. And I said, it's just a thing that, you know, when you go through this, didn't think I knew I would never do it. And I knew, and it was a one thought, two, two second thing. Right. But I think every human being does think that. I've been there. How am I I've been there. This? How can I possibly, you know, you bury a child and in the Jewish religion, I don't know what it's like in, in others, but in the Jewish religion, you have to bury them very quickly. You have to bury the person very quickly. And we did it the next day. We actually went according to when that doctor that I spoke about, when he could be there. And, um, and then you go through this, the service and then you, and, and the casket is right beside you, like right right beside you where you're standing. And then you, um, and then you go to the cemetery and, and the body goes in or whatever. And then you have to take the, the earth mm-hmm. and put it on, on the grave. I don't know what, what the reasoning is for that, but I refuse to do it until people say, you know, you really have to. And I knew again, everything I had to do was because Ali would expect me to do it. To this date, day, you can't get that sound out of your head. Of the dirt hitting the casket. Dirt hitting the casket. Mm. You can't get that sound out of your head. Yeah. And maybe if it would have been smarter for me to say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not doing this and walk away and, and yeah. just take me home. But I didn't. And and you just, there are things that you have to live with every single day. And mm. that's why... You know, I think maybe one day, even though my business, you know, if I, my business is different than, than what I might do a podcast on in, in, in grief, you just, if I can help somebody else, I am out there. If there is a mother who has gone through what they have gone, what, what I have gone through, I am there to listen to what you have to listen, because the only people who are going to get it is unfortunately are the ones who have experienced it. Right. As they say, it's a club that nobody wants to belong to. 
And when I was given the privilege of meeting another mother who had lost a child, this particular mother's child was murdered. Oh, wow. 11 years old and she was murdered. And then they found the person 10 years later. So this wonderful human being had to go through it again, through the trial and everything like that. But you just, when when there's somebody out there that can say, "I, I understand. Yeah get it it makes it not easier but it but it's just you just less lonely you know what I think that that is exactly what it is you don't feel as if you're the only human being in, on on the face of this earth in this position mm-hmm. and and there's somebody that you can talk to who isn't, isn't going to say to you well why don't you or yeah. uh, yes or anything and and who will actually say I understand when, when this woman said to me, when I asked her, I said, why is the sec, why? Uh, she said to me, I said, when does it ever get to where you can start breathing? And she said, I've got to tell you the truth. You don't really start breathing until the 15th year because the first year you figure they're going to walk in the door. Yeah. And you have to experience every single, it's her birthday. It's this day. It's the day of their wedding. It's, all of these days come up right, and the days come up also, but you just, it just takes that time. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very kind to yourself. That's the only thing I can say is anybody when you, when you have buried somebody that you love, you have to give yourself patience and you have to be kind to yourself. And you have to do what my father said to me. He said, Pammy, you've got two ears. <laughs> one goes in, somebody talks to you. It goes in one. And if you wanted to, you can walk it right in. <laughs> and, and, and you just have to do that. And I don't think people are patient with themselves. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I don't think they give themselves that pat on the back in saying, you'll get, you'll, you'll be able to learn. Yeah. But. You got to give yourself whatever time you need to give yourself. I love That's that. Really cool. Yeah. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what do you think, Allie? This is this is different than what I usually say. What do you think, Allie, would want you to leave the Inspired Women audience with? You want me to start crying right now? No, I'm not trying <laughs> to make you cry. <laughs> I think that Allie would be very, very proud of what I've done and how I've held it together. Allie was somebody who was really behind the scenes. That's why she wanted to be in theater production, not the actor, you know? Right. Although she she was behind the scenes a lot. And I think that what she'd want me to say is that she adored me as Mm -hmm. I adored her. And probably should be very proud of how I, how I handled this. There's no doubt about that. I'm she, very proud of how you handled this. Thank you. I was like, I'm tearing up over here and I can't even imagine what you're feeling over there. Well, you were very kind when you said, you know, we can do it another day. Don't worry about it. When I gave you the heads up yesterday, but I think she'd be very, I know she'd be very proud of me, but what I really want to leave this audience with And I'm going to repeat it again because I said it. Absolutely. Already. I want you to take a deep breath and appreciate and be grateful 
for what you have because it ends in a second. I can't snap. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. You can it's snap okay. for me. I have the word. I don't understand why I can't snap. But I guess it's <laughs> I, I have a hard time whistling and my oh, spouse. Okay. I can't whistle either. Yeah. But I want you to understand it happened to me. It was a friggin' phone call from a doctor saying, who was a very close friend of ours, saying, Allie has cancer. It happens when, when you go out and, and they go for a drive and all of a sudden somebody decides to take the wrong turn. Right. All of these things can happen in a second. So please do not take for granted the situation that you have. Hug your kids. Like when I say goodbye to my kids, my grandchildren do it all the time. And I say, I always say, I love you. They always say, I love you. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, I don't want to be morbid, but the truth is that that's what you want them to remember you saying. Yeah. So I want people to really be realize the privilege that they have to number one, be healthy. Mm-hmm. And number two, have a family. Yeah. Around them. Everybody's family are different, all of these things. But if you do have a family and you do have children, put the goddamn phone down. I think that's all I can say is just put the phone down. I agree. We're so technology like obsessed in today's day and age. Like it's, it's all the time, especially with teenagers. Teenagers love their phone. They're terrible. (laughs) And, And even in business now. It's very easy to ghost somebody. Yeah. I don't do business like that. I will, you know, you have prospects, you have this, you have that, and they just figure what the hell they'll take it, whatever information, and they'll just do it themselves. Yeah. So just talk to people and just appreciate what you have. Well, Pam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, Megan, it was my absolute pleasure. It really was. I think your podcasts are great. But again, what would I say? You know, <laughs> I do think that the podcasts are great. I've listened to quite a few of them and, and I've learned from every single one. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.